Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Yes, uh, like, like someone said, my name is Charlie. I'm not Pastor Jim. I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than Pastor Jim. Um, but today I get the opportunity to uh, speak to you guys this morning. As we do, we kick off our new series entitled, This is Church. But again, if you don't know me, my name is Charlie. I'm one of our pastors here on staff, and they call me what I like to say the Generations Pastor. And what the Generations Pastor is, is I have the opportunity to oversee our kids' departments, our youth departments, and young adults across all three of our campuses. And we also run a little small um, summer internship as well. Actually, the guy that was, uh, that guy right there that has the mic in his hand, his name is David. He's one of our uh, seniors that just graduated from Santiago High School, and he is also an intern. And I can't wait to text him as soon as this is over and say, dude, you made the big screen like you have made it man you've made it but I'm excited for today because we're going to start this new series entitled this is church and in this series uh, was myself um, pastor Charlie Bacar which is our operations pastor here and pastor Dylan Del Campo which he is the lead pastor over at our Av campus in Riverside we sat together and, and created this series entitled this is church because we really want to get back to the heart of church we really want to get back to the vision that God had in place on ourselves, on you guys, and really for the church as a whole. Because if we can be really honest with ourselves as we kick the series off, for the past about year and a half, it's felt like as soon as COVID happened, we were so inclusive, we were so locked up, that in a sense, we have forgotten the true meaning, we've forgotten the true vision that God has placed on our church and then for the church in general. So our hope is for the next three weeks as we take a look at the story of the Good Samaritan, we'll be able to really get back to the heart of church, to really get back to the vision of church. Because the thing is this, is I would much rather see us hold on to this vision than what the world is casting out there for other people to gravitate towards, for other people to hold on to. Because you see, if, you, if you've looked around for the past few years, there's been a lot of organizations, there's been a lot of people, there's been a lot of companies that have casted vision for young people, that have casted vision for really America to gravitate towards, and a lot of people are doing exactly that. They're gravitating towards that vision, and they're hooked on it. And a lot of those organi organizations are doing some amazing things for people to gravitate towards and get hooked onto their vision, but the only thing is this, is a lot of those organizations, their vision does not bring life change. Their vision might help people, but the only vision that will truly bring life change and truly save us is the vision that God gave the church, and that is to love Jesus and to spread his name. And that's our hope for the next three weeks as we dive into the story of the Good Samaritan to get back to the heart of church. So if you do have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. We're not going to read right away, but that's where we're going to stay for the majority of our conversation today. And for the next three weeks, I said we're going to be looking at the Good Samaritan. But today, I'm actually not even going to really read the Good Samaritan. But instead, I'm going to read a conversation that Jesus is going to have with a specific man that's going to lead to Jesus sharing the story of the Good Samaritan. And with that, if you're taking notes, which I hope you guys are, um, you guys can write down the title of the message. You see, the title of today's message is this, A New Commandment. 
a new commandment. The title of today's message is a new commandment. It should be up on the screen any time now, any moment. I heard Pastor Jim's in the AV room, so he's probably talking all of their ears off so they can't do their work. But it is titled, A New Commandment. With that being said, I'm going to pray. And uh, ah, there it is. Woo! All right, A New Commandment. With that being said, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into today's conversation. So we can't let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much um, for, one, the opportunity to be able to come together as a church and to gather in person and those that are watching online. God, I pray right now that today's message is as convicting as it was for me to those that are here today and those that are watching online. God, I pray right now that all of this that is going to be said today is not out of my own understanding, but God, it's because of what your word says and it's because of what you've placed on our heart to share in this series, God. So God, I pray that you use this message again to convict us today. Use this message to grow us today. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. All right, I got a question. It's kind of a redundant question, but the question is this. Has anyone in here ever made a mistake before? before? Everyone's hand should go up. No one's perfect. We've all made mistakes before. A mistake maybe it was a small mistake, a mistake that maybe affected somebody else, or a mistake that affected us and allowed other people to laugh at us. Um, we've all been there before. See, one of my biggest mistakes probably within the past six years uh, is this. Listening to Pastor Jim and going on the men's backpacking trip. If you've been here for church for a little bit, you've probably heard stories of Pastor Jim's backpacking trip adventures and all these amazing times that he's had up there. But about six years ago, I think it was 2016, so five years ago now, 2016, I was a, it was a full year on staff, and he comes to me and he's like, Charlie, you're on staff now, you've been on staff for a year, what I want you to do is you're going to go on the backpacking trip with us. And I was like, okay, that's cool, I love the outdoors, I'm an outdoorsy man. I was like, okay, we can make this happen. So he gave me a packing list, and I started talking to a few different people, and I want to give you a disclaimer. Nathan Del Campo, Pastor Jim's son, spoke a message a few years back, and he used this story in his own message, and it was about me. But I'm going to give you the point of view from me, since it involved me. So... I go around and I start asking people about the, the backpacking trip and what to expect and what to get and all these types of things. And a lot of people were, I, the one question I asked was, hey, how cold is it up there? And a lot of people said, a lot of people said, uh, it's not that cold or it's kind of cold up there. But one, some, somebody in particular said, oh, I, don't even, I don't even really use a jacket up there. And I was like, okay, cool. And I, 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 I like run warm, so I don't really like wearing jackets. And so I was like, all right, perfect, that's cool. So what I decided to do as the rookie is the first time going up backpacking is I decided to pack only shorts and only shirts. I did not have a jacket. But to put the cherry on top, when you go backpacking for the very first time, typically what happens is you get a lot of hand-me-downs from a lot of different people. And if you're like me, I don't like using other people's stuff just because I feel obligated to make sure it gets back in one piece. And I don't want the stress of it ripping or the stress of me losing it or breaking it and then giving it back to them that way. So what I did the day of leaving to go backpacking is I stopped at Walmart and I found the smallest sleeping bag that I possibly could find. And the reason why is because obviously you have a backpack on. That's the only thing you have. So I was trying to make so much room in this backpack. 
So I did so. I bought the smallest one that I could buy. We start hiking up the trail. We get to the top of the trail. We hang out for the day. As soon as sun went down, I was like, man, I'm kind of getting tired. I'm going to go to sleep. So I jumped into the sleeping bag. I didn't have a jacket, obviously. I was just in shorts. And I jumped into the sleeping bag, and I fell asleep. And it was, it was beautiful sleep until about midnight. Because right around midnight, I wake up, and I'm going to be completely transparent and honest with you, church. I wake up in the weirdest crying, like m- moaning, just I'm making the weirdest sounds ever because I was absolutely freezing. Little did I know when I bought that sleeping bag at Walmart, it was rated for 70 degrees. When we go hiking, we go to areas that go below 30 degrees. I have no jacket, I'm in shorts, and I'm sitting there and I'm just like shaking like this. And I'm like, maybe if I like, like cry loud enough, someone will hear me and come and like save me. So I'm sitting in, the, in this tent and I'm like crying, I'm moaning. And, and I just remember falling asleep, waking back up, falling asleep, and going through this pattern the entire night until the morning came. And when the morning came, I got out of my tent and someone said, man, did you guys hear like a baby crying last night? (laughs) And I'm like, it was me. I was like, I thought this was church. You're supposed to come help me when I'm crying. Like, it's not a bear. Like, I... And I got out, and luckily that night, some people brought extra clothing. We had somebody that was on staff with us that wore, wore a medium jacket, and I wore usually a larger, an extra larger, even a 2X sometimes. So I've squeezed into this medium jacket. You guys ever seen Tommy Boy? It's like, fat guy. And live. Like, that was me. Like, it was 100% me. <laughs> I share that story, though, because yesterday, I had the opportunity to go speak at our men's breakfast at our Hoopa Valley campus. And one of our youth directors, his name is Christian. He is the youth director for our Hoopa Valley campus. Uh, he was there, and he's going backpacking for the first time this year. And I'm not going this year, but he's going for the very first time, and so I start asking him questions. I'm like, hey, um, what, what do you have? Like, what do you still need? Because I have a, a bunch of equipment. And he was like, I, the first, the, one of the first questions I asked was like, do you have a sleeping bag? And he was like, yeah, I have a sleeping bag. It's the one I bought when we went to Arizona on a missions trip. I was like, okay, cool. What's it rated for? And he was, oh, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. And I paused him. I was like, Christian, listen to me. (laughs) Learn from my mistakes. Learn from my mistakes, because you do not want to be the laughingstock for the next however many years when everyone goes up backpacking, because still to this day, that story gets brought up. And he was like, okay. And he makes, she's going to make sure not to do the same mistake that I did. You see, I share that idea and I share that concept of making sure not to do the same mistake that I did. Because when it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God is living and breathing. This Bible, it transforms lives through the Holy Spirit. But also this Bible is filled with stories of people doing amazing things, but also filled of stories of people making a lot of mistakes. And the beautiful part about the Bible is we can take a look at these stories and we can learn from other people's mistakes to make sure we don't do the same exact thing. And so today, as we get ready to dive into the scriptures out of Luke chapter 10, Jesus and this man is going to have a conversation. And there's a handful of mistakes that this man that is talking to Jesus is going to make. And my prayer and my hope today is we can take this and we can learn from it to make sure we don't do the same mistakes. So with that, I'm going to start reading. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It's up on the screens. And it says this. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. 
Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Verse 27, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, right Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Now, before we get into the mistakes that this man made in that scripture, I want to give us some background, some context of what's happening right here so we can better understand this story and better understand the story really for the rest of this series. See, there's two things. The very first thing is this. I read my Bible is an NLT Bible. That's the translation. It's a New Living Translation. Pastor Jim reads out of the NASB, which is the New American Standard Bible. It's a great translation as well. And in the NASB, it says that this man that was communicating with Jesus is a lawyer. Now, when you probably read that word lawyer, the first initial thought was he was like a lawyer today. But the thing is this. This man was not like a lawyer that we think about today. This man did not have his own daytime TV show where he put people out on blast in the court system and let everyone in the world look at their pain. That's not the kind of lawyer I'm talking about or we're talking about. This man's profession was to interpret the Mosaic law. So in context, he was a lawyer back in that time. So whenever they say lawyer, that's what his job was to interpret the Mosaic law. And so today I'm going to refer to this man as a lawyer. I just wanted to clear that up. The second thing that we can look at, really arguably the first mistake we can look at, is what this man did the very first time he encountered Jesus. You see, back in the day in the culture that they were living in, it was common for rabbis, for teachers, to stand up in a public place and argue a certain theological point. Obviously, this man stands up and he asks the question, how do we inherit eternal life? And they were supposed to go back and forth about this theological debate of how do we get eternal life? What this man was really doing, the intentions behind it, is this man was trying to trap Jesus. He was trying to trap Jesus into saying something that was false. He was trying to trap Jesus into saying something that he can regret. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate it when I get trapped. I get trapped very often. I think it's just because I'm gull like gullible. Like, I, I get trapped where I'm like one of the last people around, so they're like, oh, now you have to help stack chairs. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> or I get trapped when it comes to finances. My wife's sitting right here. I don't know why she still allows me to have a credit card, but I get trapped like on, on social media and on Instagram. Like, you guys, have, put it this way. You guys ever like been talking about something in your phones out? Say you're talking about a crock pot, and then like five minutes later you jump on social media and you have crock pot ads that pop up. You guys know what I'm talking about? That happens to me often. You see, recently I've been starting to work out. I don't know if you can tell, um, but <laughs> I've been starting to work out. So I've been talking a lot about like proteins and and pre workouts and shaker bottles and weights and stuff you lift. And I was like, I, the other day I hopped on my Instagram. And I'm scrolling through, and an ad popped up for the certain pre-workout that I've been wanting to try. And it said, oh, get your free samples today. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord Almighty. You have listened, and you have delivered. I'm going to get something for free today. And they threw in a free shaker bottle. I was like, oh, praise you, Jesus. You saw my good works. Um, but <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to click on this. I click on the ad and I go through, I go through the checkout, I pay for it, I threw a few other things in there because it was only like a dollar extra or something like that, that's where they get you. Um, and I pay for it. And then I get the email saying, oh, here's your receipt for the order that you had paid for. And I go, I, was, I just was curious and I clicked on it and I looked at it and I'm like, 
man, these guys upcharged the shipping to cover the cost of the free free stuff that they were supposed to do. And what I ended up doing was I fell into the trap that they had thrown out there for me. And I was upset. And again, that goes back to, I don't know why my wife still allows me to have a credit card. (laughs) But I hate falling into these traps. But see, the beautiful part about Jesus is that Jesus knew that this trap was coming because Jesus is almighty. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knew as soon as this man stood up to ask this question, he knew the intentions of this man's heart. So the way Jesus responds back to this lawyer is beautiful. Because, you see, the way he responds back is he says, what does the law of Moses say? Question, what was this man's job again? He was, yeah, he... He was an interpreter of the law. He was an interpreter of the Mosaic law. So what Jesus was saying, he was saying, hey, look, you do this for a living. You tell me the answer. And that's where the door opens for this man to make a few crucial mistakes. And that's where we're going to dive into today, to go back to the heart of the church, to get back to the vision of the church. Today, we're going to look at this man's mistakes and make sure we don't do the same thing. So if you're taking notes, the very first point I want you to write down today is this. Very first point. Mistake number one. Jumped the gun. Mistake number one. Jumped the gun. Has anyone in here ever done this before? You jumped the gun. Maybe you jumped the gun when you were trying to buy a car, and then you look back like a week later, and they had already dropped it down like a few thousand dollars. Maybe you, you, were, you were out there and you, you jumped the gun. Like, I remember watching some friends, they would jump off of the roof into a pool. And I remember watching a friend, he jumped the gun and jumped a little bit too early and scraped his side on the pool. And I was like, I'm going to learn from your mistake today. I'm not jumping off the roof. But for me, uh, one of the, the areas where I jump the gun a lot in is when it comes to food. You see, as I said, I, I'm trying to work out, I'm trying to do better in that area, but also I like to eat unhealthy at the same time. So it's kind of counterproductive. But what I'll do is sometimes if me and my wife, we don't have time to meal prep throughout the week, what I'll do is I'll run over to Stater Brothers right over here on my way into the office, and I'll stop there and I'll buy a bunch of frozen meals because who loves frozen meals? Can I get an amen? And so I, I would pay for these frozen meals because it's like a dollar. I'd put them in the freezer, and then I'd read the instructions of how to cook these. It was like throw them in for three minutes, take them out, stir them up, let it rest for a minute, and then you can eat. But me, being the kind of person that I am, I throw it in for three minutes, I take it out, I rip the thing open, I stir it for 10 seconds, I look at it, I smell at it, I'm hungry, I take a bite, I burn my mouth. That's where I jump the gun probably the most. And you see, that's a funny way of jumping the gun, but this guy is going to jump the gun in an area of spirituality where it's going to affect his call. It's really going to affect who he is. You see, I want to read Luke 10, verse 25 through 29 just one more time. So we really comprehend what's happening in this, in this text. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 27, this is key. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Now, verse 29 is also another key verse. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? You see, what this man had done is, again, he was an interpreter of the Mosaic law. 
And what he did was he quoted two Old Testament scriptures in these verses. The two Old Testament scriptures that he quoted, the very first one was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, which reads like this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. The second verse that he quotes is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And it reads like this. But love your neighbor as yourself. Now I have a question for us here. Which one of these verses did this lawyer question? The one that he questioned was Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. The one about loving your neighbor as yourself. So now when we put two and two together, the, rare, the way he jumped the gun is like this. The first one, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your spirit. Love your neighbor. What he did was he jumped the gun. He jumped over that very first commandment that he had read off, thinking to himself that he had completed it thinking to himself that he loved God with everything that he had and jumped straight over into love your neighbor. But the thing is this, the first mistake this man made was thinking that he had already completed love your God with all your soul, all your mind, all your spirit. And some of you here maybe today are thinking to yourself, well, Charlie, no, no, no. Like, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he loved, the, loved God with all his soul, all his mind, and all his spirit. There's probably some of us here today saying, man, I love God with all my soul, all my mind, and all my spirit. Yeah, we can say that, but when you really take the scripture and you dissect it and you really look at it, it is nearly impossible for any human being walking this earth or have ever walked this earth besides Jesus to be able to fulfill this commandment because of the fallen world that we live in. When I say fallen world, I mean Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve took part of that fruit and sin had entered into this world. Because if we truly wanted to love our God with all our soul, all our mind, and all our spirit, that means we would have to think about Jesus 24-7, 100% of the time. And if we can be honest with ourselves, we have a lot of things that run through our mind during the day. We have our kids, we have our spouse, we have our boyfriend, our girlfriend, we have school, we have work, we have that person that doesn't like us at work, we have that person that cut us off on the 91 freeway the other day that's still on our mind that we can't get rid of. Let me even take it a step further. For some of us in here, we just, about 10 minutes ago, we were worshiping, we were singing Reckless Love. I won't sing it for you guys because I'd ruin the song for you. But... We're in here, we're worshiping, we're raising our hands, we're having an amazing time of worship. But I can guarantee you there were some of us in here that were raising, they were singing, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Did I turn the curling iron off today? Did I forget a kid at home? Did I? <laughs> but it's nearly impossible. Even in the times of worship, even the times where we're dedicating this time to worship Jesus, it's hard for us to fully allow ourselves to completely think of him all the time. So for this man to overlook this thinking that he could love his God with all his soul, all his might, and all his spirit, he's only fooling himself. And you might think to yourself, well then Charlie, why would Jesus point this man back to the law if it's impossible for us to do? Why would he point him back to the law? There's really two, there's two sides to this. Very first one is this is in the New Testament. This is one of the four Gospels we're reading out of in Luke chapter 10. But in context, Jesus had not died and raised from the dead yet three days later. As our way of eternal salvation, that we can accept him as our Lord and our Savior. That has not happened yet, so they followed the law. That is why he pointed back to the law. The second way is this. Jesus, being Jesus, knew what was on the way for him, that death and that resurrection. And by him pointing back to the law, he's saying, look at the law. Look at it and see 
you can't fully understand, you can't fully comprehend, you can't fully do all of these actions. And what Jesus was doing by pointing back to the law was showing this lawyer how much of a savior he needed. How much a savior he needed. And the same thing goes for us here today. I want us to fully grab this one. There's no amount of good deeds that we can do that's going to get us into heaven. There's no amount of money that we can give to the church that's going to get us into heaven. There's no amount of homeless people that we can feed that is going to get us into heaven. There's no amount of times that we can come in here and we can worship on a Sunday, we can worship during the week that's going to get us to heaven. The only thing that's going to get us into heaven is through a relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And I'm not saying not to give. I'm not saying not to help the homeless. I'm not saying that at all because those things are good. But I want us to understand if we want to get back to the heart of church, we have to understand we are not saved by our works, but we are saved by the grace of Jesus. That is it. The second mistake we see this man make is this. Can't have one without the other. Second mistake, you can't have one without the other. Now, this, this point's going to be really short because I, I felt like it could go into the mistake he first made and also the mistake he's going to make at the end, but I feel like it can justify itself as its own mistake. So again, you can't have one without the other. The way I'm saying this and the reason why I'm saying this is this. This man overlooked what we had talked about, love your God with all your strength, all your might and all your soul. And he looked straight to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the thing where he made this mistake was this. He had not completed that second thought. That's why he is asking questions of, well, who is my neighbor? But yet he automatically assumed he loved his God with all his soul, all might, and spirit. The thing is this, church. We can't love God with everything we have and not love his creation. We can't love God with all we have and not love the people that he has us surrounded by. What I mean by that is this. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. It'll be up on the screens if you don't have your Bibles. It says this. 1 John 4, 20 through 21 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us the command, those who love God must, all, must also love God. They're fellow believers. If we truly love God, that means we love his creation. We don't talk bad about his creation. When we call that person an idiot, we're calling God's creation an idiot. But yet we're going to come in here and we're going to say we love Jesus with everything that we have. I think this is a huge mistake that a lot of us, we can make from time to time. And when I say we, I do the same exact thing because even though I'm on this platform today, that does not make me any less human. Just the other day, I was on the phone with my wife. I was driving on the 91. I got on the 15. I was going around about going down to the 91 to go to my parents' house. A guy cut me off. You don't want to know the words that I said to that man. I didn't say it to him, but I was like, you got to be kidding me. Do you not see me here? These are things that I'm working on as well. And if we want to get back to the hearts and back to the vision of church, we need to learn from these mistakes and apply them to our lives. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into what it truly means to love our neighbor. Because you see, in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, when he's talking about love your neighbor, he also says love your neighbor as yourself. Now those words in the Bible, I don't think any word in the Bible is there on accident, but instead every word in the Bible has a meaning to it. 
So there's a reason why in the scripture it says to love your God as yourself. You see, the reason why I believe that they put that in the scriptures, the way God put that in the scriptures is because of this. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't love themselves. What I mean is this. I don't think there's anybody in here that if you are sick, you won't go find medicine for yourself. There's nobody in here that if you are cold, well, maybe me, but if you are cold, you won't go find somewhere to warm yourself up. If you don't have a house to live in or you don't have a roof over your head, you will go and try and find a place where you can sleep for the night. If you are hungry, you will try and find a place for you to be able to eat. We do that because we love ourselves. We're treating ourselves. We're taking care of ourselves. And one of God's commands is for us to do the same thing we would do for ourselves, for our neighbor. That's what it means to truly love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the same way that you would want to be treated and the same way you do treat yourself. That's what it means to love your neighbor. That's what it means to love your neighbor. So the question I want to propose to you as we get ready to dive into the third mistake this man makes is this. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? The third mistake we see this man make is this. And who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Going back to Luke chapter 10, I just want to read verse 29. Verse 29 says this. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? You see, what this man is trying to do is this illustration that came to my mind when I was writing this out the other week. You guys ever been in elementary school or middle school or you've played pickup, like a pickup game of some sort, and they like line you up, and there's like two different captains, and they handpick which one they want on their team? You guys ever been there before? I do that typically often, and I usually always get picked first, but um, <laughs> I don't get picked first, but that's besides the point. Jesus still loves me. Um, but you pick who you want on your team because you're trying to build the best team. You pick who you want because maybe they're your friends. You pick who you want because you want the best skill set on your team to beat the other team. And when this man says, and who is my neighbor, what he is doing is it's essentially like he is picking who his neighbors can be. Because when he's asked Jesus, well, the question is, who is my neighbor? It shows you and it shows me in the scriptures that this man has been picking and choosing who his neighbor it was that he wanted to love. He was picking and choosing the easy people to love. But at the end of the day, we are called not just to love our physical neighbor. When Jesus speaks about loving your neighbor, he's speaking about everybody. He is speaking about everybody. We don't get to pick and choose who we love. You see, where we get this from, and this is the last scripture I want to read to you, is John chapter 13, verse 34. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Wait a second. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Oh, that's the title of the message. Okay. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 
Now, when that verse says that this is a new commandment, a lot of people have argued over the years, is this adding on to the Ten Commandments that we already have that Moses had, had written down on those tablets? A lot of people also argue the fact of, well, maybe this one commandment, this quote-unquote 11th commandment, is erasing those Ten Commandments, and this is the one we need to focus on the most. And a lot of people lean towards this as being added on as to a new commandment, but really at the end of the day, when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at those Ten Commandments, everything is still centered around love. This is not something new. This is not something fresh. This is not something that is mind-boggling. It's been there from the beginning of time to love others. So why? Is Jesus calling this a new commandment? And this is the reason why I think we've started this series, to be honest with you guys. It's to fulfill what Jesus is saying in this commandment. Because that word new right there means a refreshing. It's a refreshing commandment. You see, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is reminding us and Jesus is reminding his disciples in this context right now, saying, look, I have walked this earth with you. I have shown you how to love. Now go and do as I have done. Go and love others the same way that I have shown love to others. Go and feed others the same way I have fed others. Go and pray with others the same way that I have prayed with others. And church, if we really want to see our church body grow spiritually, if we really want to see ourselves grow spiritually, we truly need to live out this 10th commandment, this 11th commandment, this new commandment that Jesus is sharing. But the thing is this, we can't just keep it with inside these walls because it's very easy to handpick the neighbors that we want to love inside this church wall because we all have the same common thing in mind. We all have a relationship with Jesus if you were here today with that, but it's hard to take this commandment outside these four walls. It's hard. But you see, the thing that I love that Jesus does is Jesus caps off verse 34 with verse 35. It's not going to be on the screens or in your notes. But you see, what he says in verse 35 is this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I have a question for us, church. Are we proving to the world that we are disciples of Jesus Christ by our actions, by the way we are loving? Because that's the vision of church. That's the heart of church. That's the heart of Jesus, to love one another. We are, shown by, we are shown to be his disciples by the way we react, by the way we love others. And I don't know about you, but this is, again, something that's been challenging me. This is something that's been itching me. Because you see, a lot of us, we can say, yeah, I love people. I love my neighbor. I love, I love other people. Really, well, let me break it down to you like this. Because when he says, going back to love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor is this. Loving that democratic person that always posts those posts on Facebook. Might not see eye to eye with them, but that doesn't matter because what we're called to do is we're still called to love them. Then you can flip the script. Is loving that person that only posts Republican stuff on Facebook. Might not see eye to eye with them, but we are called to love them. Called to love somebody that doesn't look the same as us called to love somebody that's not the same race as us. And if we can be really honest, church, we are also called to love the LGBTQ plus community. We might not see eye to eye with them, but we are not, we are still called to love them. If Jesus was here today, he would still love them. 
And this is where I think we get so caught up when it comes to the vision of the church and the heart of the church. And this is where I think I see so many young people. Again, I'm, the gener- I'm a generations pastor, been in youth ministry, youth ministry for six years, and it's constantly I see this decline of our seniors graduating and not coming back to church. And I think one of the biggest reasons why is because there's such a lack of love outside the church walls. We can love people here. That's really easy. But when we go outside and we say we are a Christian, but we're not acting like a Christian, we're not showing love like Jesus did, it puts people away from the church. It makes them jaded towards the church. And this is the part that really gets me because when I was in high school, I was growing up, I had a lot of gay friends. I had a lot of different friends that weren't the same race as me, didn't look like me. And I invited them to church, and they would come to church, but they would have this guard up because of the way Christians would respond to them, because of the way Christians acted around them, because they did not say the same values as them. And if, again, we want to see spiritual growth, we want to go back to this is church, we need to love like Jesus. Point blank, period. So with that, I I, I want to challenge you guys with something. See, for me... I, I have an iPhone. If you have an Android, I'm praying for you. <laughs> but I, I like to take scriptures that I believe Jesus is, is sharing with me, that Jesus is wanting me to really just be there and read constantly. And I, Oh, sorry. And I usually will screenshot that scripture, and I'll put it as a screensaver on my phone. On my phone right now is First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. But my challenge for us today to get back to the heart of church, to get back to the vision of church, is to fully comprehend, fully wrap our minds around this new commandment that Jesus gives every single one of us, and that's to love like him. So with that, I encourage you, place that verse in places that you are going to see daily. Put that verse on your mirror. Put that verse in your car. Download the Bible app if you don't have it. Screenshot that verse. Put that as your screensaver. Because again, if we truly want to get back to the heart of church, back to the vision God intended the church to do, we need to fully grasp loving like him. So with that, I want to pray. If we can't bow our heads, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in this place today. Jesus, my prayer today is, as I was writing this message and you were writing it through me, you were convicting me. I'm not perfect. There's moments where I still make mistakes. But Jesus, through your blood, through the cross, you have made me clean. I'm thankful for that. But Jesus, my prayer today is for everyone here that this word convicts them as much as it convicted me to love everyone, not just those inside this church building, not just those that say they're a Christian, but those that are not. Those that don't know your good news. Those that haven't heard what you've done for them. So Jesus, my prayer today is that we can walk out of fear fully comprehending that. Getting the understanding that as soon as we leave these doors we need to be more like you. We need to love like you. And you've shown us how to do it. That's why that new commandment means a refreshing. You're telling us to look at the way you were. Look at how you are. And learn from that. 
And so, Jesus, my prayer is we do exactly that as we kick this series off. This is church as the foundation of it. We can walk out of here loving more and more like you. It doesn't matter someone's background. It doesn't matter if they're addicted. It doesn't matter if they're homeless. It doesn't matter any of that. But what matters is the way we love them. So, Jesus, we lift this time up to you. We lift this word up to you. And in your name we pray. We all said. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.